Blog Talk Radio. Hello, it's the AJ Bruno Show. Welcome to Epic Fail Edition, as we're calling it, uh, about all of the great epic fails in history. It's going to be a good show. You'll want to tune in, 347-308-8073. If you want to contribute uh, to the program, we would love to have you call, have you call up. Okay, um, a lot of different fails to talk about today. Um, before we do that, why don't we play a little clip to set the mood? And uh, this is from some old movie. I have no idea which one it is. I found this a while ago, and it always makes me laugh. So why don't we go ahead and play that? You live here? Yes. Or maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and buried, it seems a certain voodoo priest who has the power to bring him back to life. It's worse than horrible. A zombie has no will of his own. See them sometimes, walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? Ah, uh, exactly like Democrats. Perfect description. Okay, <clears throat> so we're going to trace uh, a lot of different events, but why don't we start off by talking about uh, some recent things that are going on now? Barack Hussein Obama is the absolute definition of epic fail. Um, not only does he fail repeatedly at just about everything he does, um, but now he gets rewarded for failing. I used to think that in order to win a Nobel Peace Prize, you had to do something great and... Uh, uh, groundbreaking, a landmark achievement. Now you get it for BS, empty rhetoric and talking. What has he done? These leftist idiots who run this this institution give him the Nobel Peace Prize because of, uh, you know, the what he inspires and what he hopes to do. Okay, that is not an accomplishment. That's not a justification to to give him a Nobel Peace Prize. But is there nobody else who did something um, constructive, contributing to the, uh, to the world, that you have to give it to someone who hasn't done anything? And you can't even say that he's done something for it. You know, even, even some of his supporters are saying it's a bit ridiculous. That shows you how preposterous the whole thing is. Um, all right, well, we have another Obama epic fail to discuss, too. Uh, then we'll move on to some other uh, issues. But uh, why don't we take a phone call? Um, we have uh, Manuel here on the phone, uh, on the line. Welcome to the show. You're on the show. What's up? Okay, or you're not on the show. Anyway, um, <clears throat> all right, we'll move on to this other this other issue. So that's one big uh, Obama epic fail. Another would be something I just found out tonight, actually. 
um, when he was speaking at the uh, Human Rights Campaign Dinner, which is very misleading because it's just a radical pro-gay organization, he was speaking at their dinner, and he vowed to uh, bring an end to "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." You know, who is this? Who is this man to tell the military what it can do? He has no rights. He doesn't know what's bad. He wants to push his left-wing radical policies. On the, on the military. And this sort of conduct is unbecoming of an officer. It's unbecoming of an enlisted member also. This is disgusting behavior, and anyone who wears the uniform and engages in this stuff is a disgrace to it, and I don't want them serving in this, in this military. If you're gay, then fine, whatever, but either don't act on it or don't let anybody know because that's disgusting. And these people should not be in our military. The standards have already gone down so much. Do we really need to destroy any semblance of morality or traditional values that, or honor that's still left within the, within the military? This is nothing short of a leftist conspiracy to destroy the institution of the United States military. This is not even about um, just letting gay servants openly. The left despises what the military stands for, that it's one of the last institutions where there's some traditional values still installed, and they want to destroy that, and they want to use that as a tool to destroy the military in its entirety. If he ever gets his way with this, it'll be a shame. And, it, and to me, it'll be really one of the last daggers in this country if we let that. Because once you get rid of that, it's going to be really hard to undo the damage. So that's another epic failure uh, just recently. But we'll be tracing back some different failures through the ages tonight. But those are two that really stuck out to me. Um, so yeah okay why don't we take a phone call here see what's going on unknown caller you're on the line what's up hello yes you're on Mr. Bruno long time no see ooh who am I speaking with this would be your good friend ABC oh my my buddy yeah, What's but um, any, uh, I agree with you actually about uh, you know Obama uh, getting the uh, get the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, I woke up that morning and I, I turn on the news and oh, Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize. I, was, I had to I had to like punch myself in the face a few times. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's just... he has he has not done anything like he is. He's not a leader. He's more of a celebrity than a leader. He has not done anything to help anybody. I mean, you know, all he does is talk and pushes his health care thing, and that's really all I've heard. The, all I've heard going on about the Middle East, is, which is what he really supposedly won this for, he did one little speech. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> exactly. All he said were empty, empty, all he said is empty words. You know, actions speak louder than words. He hasn't done anything to remotely warrant that and he gets he gets it anyway 
We're not doing anything. To me, that's, that's, I mean, not, that's prior to the campaign last year. You know, nobody, nobody except really the uh, political, the people who follow the political stuff, even know, even knew who he was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there, are, there, there, there are a ton of other people out there who work their asses off, who have dedicate, dedicated their lives to bettering the world and, 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 and to peace. But, you know, they had, didn't even want win. And, you know, it's, 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 I mean, if I were them, I'd, I'd, be, I'd protest it. Yeah. I mean, it's... The, the level of worship of this man... As if it wasn't bad enough, if it's not clear that it's pretty much a point of blind obedience to him and blind uh, praise of him, I mean, it's absolutely fair. I will never have any respect for this institution whatsoever again. Unless they admit that what they did was motivated by ideological reasons and not by actual accomplishments. I mean, do they, do they really think this well, is going to fly? You right see, now? I don't know... I don't know if this was motiv- motivated by ideological reasons. I mean, if I were the Nobel Peace Prize Committee, you know, I would I would release uh, the reasons why that this prize was uh, was awarded to him. Because yeah. you know, I'm wondering, you're wondering, everybody in the world is wondering, what what did this guy do to get this prize? Yeah. Why weren't why why couldn't they find anybody else uh, worthy of the prize in, on the planet? I mean, the, yeah. no, the Nobel Peace Prize committee needs to needs to come out with this stuff. Otherwise, you know, people are going to denounce them, and, and their prize isn't going to mean anything to anybody. Well, I think they were hell bent on um, on doing it in the first place. So, um, hmm. because I, I think they were asked for their reasoning, and the guy who runs it is a socialists and whatnot, and uh, the reason he gave was just complete bullshit. I mean, uh, no legitimate justification whatsoever. And it's a, it's a very, it's very sad and telling of the way some people think. Um, yeah, no. Now, t- tonight is uh, the epic fail edition. Uh, are there any particular epic fails you'd like to discuss besides that? Hmm, epic fail. Could be any throughout history. We are going through the ages tonight. Okay. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, I was listening to your, uh, your Don't Ask, Don't Tell speech back there, and uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Wasn't it Clinton who uh, instituted this policy in the first place? Uh, it was, um, but the policy was actually even better before that, too. I mean, this was more of a, a compromise type thing. I mean, Clinton tried to do the same thing in the first place, but the, the, back then, the country wasn't quite the same as it is now. And now he has more of a chance to succeed and tries to implement a, a full uh, allowing gays to serve openly now. And... I mean, if he gets away with that, it's really going to reflect poorly on our military. And who is he to do that? He has no military experience. He doesn't know what's best for them. He's taking his political ideology and pushing it on the military, which he, which, um, 
to me is a gross violation of his authority for him to do that. To use to, to well, politics has no has no place in that. He's the commander in chief, you know. It's, it's, it's mandated in the constitution. Yeah, <laughs> commander who's commanded uh, um, community organizers. That's pretty much all he's ever commanded. I know. Him and yeah. his army of community organizers. Hey, I bet I bet uh, he was involved with Acorn at one point. Yep. Yep. Um, See where that's all going. Yeah. Well, it's not uh, <clears throat> not going too well. But you know, obviously, you know, if if he actually talked to the generals about this, very much doubt there's one who uh, would think it's a good idea. And those are the people who should make the decision. The actual military institution. They know what makes the 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 military function best, and the the function uh, as well as it could, and for him to think that he knows better than these guys with thirty some odd years of experience and what is is just ludicrous. And obviously, there's another agenda at play here, and it was only a matter of time before he tried to to push this. So um, to me, this is a major epic fail. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, there's also another epic fail on the way too. Now, what's that? Healthcare. Oh. Government healthcare. Yeah, if he gets anything close to what he's trying to get. Um, now, now, let me tell you something here, okay? <clears throat> the truth is, I come from a family of doctors. Okay, I've had doctors in my family all my life. And uh, my father was the oddball child who decided to go out and become a lawyer. And I became in... I went to school for accounting, but ironically, I ended up in a hospital billing department. No. Now, now, are you aware that we already do have government uh, health care, government-run health care? Um, well, there are there are some. You know, well, what we sh- what we should have is more regulation, not government takeover. Exactly. That's what they're trying to get. But you see, we already have. We do have a form of government. Uh, government health care in Medicare. Medicare is a government-run uh, insurance company. Okay, I can tell yeah. you that getting getting Medicare claims was a pain in the ass. Okay, and, and even and even with the insurance companies, it was a pain in the ass to get payments from them. You know, they want to like they want you they want everybody to pay their premiums, but don't want to pay anything themselves. I mean, hell, I was looking at my own uh, health care premiums uh, last week, and yeah. they're going up by 20%. Yeah. And uh, my cost of living uh, allowance is only going up 2%. Yeah. I mean, I'm already only bringing home 58% of my paycheck after taxes and, and deductions. Well, the, the, way, that's another, the way the tax system works in this country is another epic fail because that is purely robbery. The amount of taxation imposed on the American people is, is beyond ridiculous. Um, Absolutely. You know, there used to be a time in this country where the top rate was 7%, and most people paid either 0 or half or 1%. And the country functioned just fine then. You know, what happened between... Uh, actually, actually, going even further back than that, okay, the country pretty much got its income from... Uh, from trade tariffs. No. No, it did. 
Yes. 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 And and as as time has been going on, you know, the trade the, the tariffs are decreasing, 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 decreasing. And they're still decreasing. I mean, you know, you have all kinds of free trade agreements now, where you know, where trading free with like we're, we have a free trade agreement with Israel, we have a free trade agreement with uh, Canada and Mexico, we have a free trade agreement with Australia, we have a free trade agreement with uh, the, the Caribbean countries. I mean, it's all free trade anymore. I mean, the only yeah. the only real free trade that we don't have is really is with China. Hell, nobody has free trade with China. Yeah. Um, well, with, with that's another issue, actually. In terms of free trade, well, I, I support um, the concept of free trade, but with China, we should not be trading with them. Because what we're doing is we're getting into so much debt to the com- to the to the to Red China, the Chicoms, and um, and what are we funding? Not helping their people. We are funding the Chinese war machine. Um, the amount of military built that's going on there, clearly they have imperialistic intentions, and we just ignore it, which doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. You know, we should be trying to financially squeeze this regime and crush it. Free the Chinese people and, and, and get rid of the Hold on a second. I uh, have to go take care of something. Uh, before I go, another uh, epic deal I want to mention happening yeah. recently is, is the current secret cabal against uh, the United States uh, by the oil trading com- uh, countries about uh, taking oil out of, not trading oil in the United States dollar. Uh, we're talking about uh, trading in gold instead. Uh, but that's yeah. another issue I'll have to discuss at a later time. But uh, right yeah. now i got to get going, so I'll call back later. Yeah, sure, no problem. Thanks for calling up. All right, no problem. All right, three four seven three zero eight eight zero seven three. If you want to call up in the program, okay. Um, <clears throat> let's start moving back a little bit in history. What we're going to try for the next, uh, uh, the rest of the show, is we're going to gradually move back in history, touch on some epic fails in different eras, um, talk about what they mean. If you want to talk about a specific one or uh, comment on what I'm going to bring up, feel free to call up and then let me know. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go back to the Carter years. Flashback 30 years or so. Let's discuss what was done wrong then um, and how we don't learn from these mistakes, apparently. Now, during the Carter regime, what happened? Uh, We had a president who allowed our economy to collapse through irresponsible uh, leftist economic policies. And in addition to that, another duty also, because, uh, well, one thing you could say with him, he wasn't too socially liberal, but on economic and defense issues, he definitely was. Um, and, uh, and defensively, we had uh, the whole Iranian hostage crisis, which he totally botched not only, you know, sending in a, a failed rescue operation got more Americans killed. And why did that happen? Because of appeasement. And did we not learn from these mistakes <clears throat> looking back to these? 
to the Carter era. Um, massive government involvement in the economy and irresponsible military defense policies don't work. And we're not going to learn from his mistakes. And I see somebody write, uh, writing in here, uh, either you or I was alive during the Carter regime. Well, okay. Um, nobody was alive during most of history. Does that mean we can't make judgments and comment on it? That's a really poor argument on your part. So, all right, three four seven three zero eight eight zero seven three. If you want to call in, uh, or take in the show. Anyway, so a major epic fail, definitely. And what happens as soon as uh, the four years of Carter ends? You have a Reagan come in, cleans up the economy, gets it rolling again. Good times all around, and the. <laughs> Minutes after he takes office, those hostages get released. Why? Conservative economic principles work much more effectively than um, liberal ones. And so does defiance in the face of, uh, of evil, as opposed to appeasement, as opposed to foolish, uh, weak military policies. And yet we see these same epic failures being repeated today, just 30 years later. There's plenty of people alive now who remember that. But yet we can't seem to we dug ourselves into a hole that's even deeper than what we did 30 years ago. And that's just a very sad reflection on our society, I think. Okay, six or line one, let's go to the phones. Um okay, secret done. Alright. Hopefully we're not having too many technical issues. Like we did in that last show. Actually just to get not to get sidetracked too much here, but if you heard that last show, apologize for that. That was really weird. I don't know what was going on. We couldn't get it on live and then it was on a little bit and uh, nothing was working right. It was really weird, and yet people still listen to it. So um, I appreciate you listening to my epic failure of a of a show last time. I know that was rather bizarre, to say the least. Um, okay. Anyway, moving on here. Uh, by the way, if you're calling out 347-308-8073, um, I'm experiencing some tech computer difficulties, so it might take a little bit to get you on the show, but it won't be too long. Okay, uh, <clears throat> let's travel back a little further in history to the uh, tail end of World War II. Now, what went wrong here? Um, Truman and co. get a lot of praise about how they handled uh, the Soviet Union at this time, which is really a shame. You know, guys like uh, General Patton knew what kind of lying uh, low lives these people were. Um, and we shouldn't have dealt with them the way we did. And you know, it's easy for these 
bureaucrats, these uh, politicians sitting pretty in Washington to push a policy of containment like they did. But how about the hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who were imprisoned in a virtual state of slavery behind the Iron Curtain? I'm sure they wouldn't have that same opinion if the roles were reversed. To trust the Soviets to keep their word, to trust a murdering lowlife like Stalin, who never saw justice in this world, who should have seen it, to trust his word, you don't, you know, and they don't get enough flack for this either. Containment was a stupid policy. Let me tell you what we should have done instead of this epic failure. What we should have done was take the atomic bomb, threatened to use it on the Soviet Union unless they withdrew all their troops from Eastern Europe and allowed those countries to hold free and democratic elections and did not occupy them with Soviet puppet governments and Soviet troops. Keep in mind, the Soviets didn't have the bomb until 49. That gave us four years in between that we could have done something about this. Um, and instead we didn't. Why would it have been so hard? You didn't even have to. Now, another solution would be, you know, rearm these Germans and let's keep on rolling to Moscow. We could have done that. And yes, it would have been a major toll in terms of human life. But then there's a compromise. An another intermediate solution. Why not prevent most people from being imprisoned behind the Iron Curtain? Why not prevent that? And um, by doing that, what all you have to do is say, hey, we have the atomic bomb. You better withdraw. We're warning you before we use it. You saw what it did to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So withdraw or else. And if they refuse to, bomb one of their, you know, use it on one of their cities until they get the idea. Well, not even that. Use it on Stalin himself. See how they like it then. When you have such an instrument of power like that, you have to use it to make huge plays. Him for the betterment of mankind. And that was an instance where they could have done it. And they didn't do it. And why? Why, I ask you? I would I love a good answer for that because I don't think, I don't see how that's justified. Why is it okay to destroy some evil regimes and allow others to survive because we were allies of convenience, essentially? That shouldn't be okay. And in fact, that's hypocritical to speak of uh, freedom and liberty. and to not really stand for those beliefs because, well, 
We allowed this evil empire to exist for a half century more. And shame on us for doing it. Well, not shame on us, but shame on this country for doing it then. You know? And imagine without the Soviet Union, or at least without it being the menace that it was, how much uh, better history might have developed. All right, um, I have the I have the switchboard back online here. Uh, sorry for all the callers in the queue. Uh, all right, let me go to six four three. You're on the AJ Bruno show. Hello. Six four three. Hello. You're on. What's up? How are you? Okay. Uh, one 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 secret caller. Hello. You're on. Okay, you're not going. You're not on anymore. All right. Um, Emmanuel, you're on. If you can hear me now, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Welcome to the show. This may be lagging. Uh, you can hear me. Yeah. No problem. You're on. What's up? Hello? Yes, you're on. What's going on? Uh, I want to mention an epic fail. Sure. If that's all right. Of course. Uh, you are an epic fail. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your whole party is a bunch of epic fails. You leftist radicals. Okay, yeah, you can mute me now. I you are a joke. To say. You are a joke. You and Tormod and Mercurius, you left-wing losers. You're all a bunch of epic failures. You're, you're a left-wing loser. And your whole stupid party is going down. You're going down to Chinatown. All right, well, it's a little hard to hear you there, but, um, okay, let's, okay, who is 643? Do you want to talk, or what's going on? Hello. Hello, you're on. What's up? Hello. Is that you, AJ? Yes, you're welcome. Hello, AJ, is that you? It is me, yes. Yeah, okay. How you doing? Great, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about epic fails. Sure. Which one would you like to discuss? Uh, probably the one that DB uh, uh, pertained on you, pushed on you, knocked you off the list. Uh, sorry? DB, Dignity Brigade. The what? The Dignity Brigade. The T... You're not coming in too quick. What's that? Say that again. I said the Dignity Brigade. Oh, the Dignity Brigade. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I got them banned for several days, didn't I? Yeah, I know. I heard about that, eh? Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Anyway, that's, that's something where... That's pretty much a organization... Uh, whose sole purpose is to persecute uh, people with different beliefs. In the major epic fail. You sound, I got like you know a lot about you sound like you know a lot about them. I know quite a bit about them, yeah. 
Iya sih. Ada. Um, yes, they are a bunch of failures uh, for sure. Um, okay. Uh, so back to the phones here. To the phones here. John Malcolm, you're on the line here. We'd like line. to bring up a, an epic fail. An epic fail. What? Tonight is epic fail night. You're, I'm an epic fail or you're an epic fail? No, 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 no. We are discussing history's epic fails. Okay. Uh, call back when you're louder. I can't hear you. Anyway, in the meantime, we're going to travel back into history even more. Okay. Uh, we're going to stop briefly in uh, World War One. Now, this is one of the greatest epic fails. Um, you know, what was the point, really? Let's all get into trench warfare and wipe each other out in massive numbers. And actually, in World War One, it was, uh, what was the exact percentage? It was 40, I can't even remember the exact percentage. It was close to half, though. I had slightly under half of all men who served died. And really, what was the point? It's not even really an interesting war. They don't even have any movies about it. So you don't even get entertainment out of it. There was no point to it. It's like, you know, let's kill the Archduke. Let's all get mad at each other. So-and-so declares war and so-and-so. All these MPPs come into effect. And let's all fight. Really a stupid war. And we were just talking about World War II. One of the dumbest things about what happened, the Treaty of Versailles. Now, there's a, an important thing that any, uh, dipl any uh, diplomat should know. When you're making peace, when you have victory on your side, you can afford to give your enemy generous terms. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a quote, I can't remember who said it offhand, who said it offhand, um, something along the lines of, you know, when, you're, when you've defeated your enemy, I'm just paraphrasing, when you've defeated your enemy, um, you know, either show them generous, you know, give them generous terms, or treat, treat them generously, because a slight insult they can repay, but a total one they cannot. Um, both, both are, are stupid. Um, because what they did was give, and I'm not siding with the Germans here, but the forcing them to take complete responsibility and imposing ridiculous economic reparation requirements and whatnot, that inflamed the tensions which led to the horror that we saw in World War II. So that was indeed an epic fail. You know, in that in that same era, actually, we should have had um, we should have had the League of Nations going along that line of thinking instead of the stupid UN we have now. I saw someone mention that the UN is a major fail, and we let that anti-Semitic, um, anti-American institution. In this, it occupies a prime piece of real estate in Manhattan. That, that, and, we, and we pay for most of the costs to re renovate the building and for the, the organization to function. And what's the point of it? All it does is go against us. 
the UN is a total waste. What we should do, U.S. out of the UN, UN out of the U.S., let's form our own alliance of countries that actually support us. Why don't we do that? Instead of masquerading this UN or whatever. When these dictators come into this country, when someone like Ahmadinejad comes in here, or Gaddafi uh, coming in here now, these guys should be arrested and put on trial for the war crimes of which they are all guilty of. And yet we let them come into here, come into an American city on U.S. soil so they go speak at the U.S. And this country claims to stand up for liberty and, and freedom. Um, not if you believe in that. And I see someone here calling me a libertarian. No, I'm not a libertarian. I'm a conservative. Conservatives do not like the U.N. And anyone who likes America should not like the U.N. Um, it is, it's, it's, the institution is a disgrace. And we let ourselves to be poisoned on this. And uh, someone else mentioned the U.N. is not on U.S. owned property. Okay, they're still on American soil. Before that building was ever built, that was American soil. And just because technically it's not American property, it is still enveloped by the U.S. And it's still taking out a prime piece of real estate, and we still pay an inordinately large amount of the cost. And we should not do that. We should not do that. So I'm glad someone brought that up here. I, I didn't want that to slip, uh, slip away before we got past the 20th century. But... Um, all right, uh, John Malcolm, we'll get you back on now here. We had trouble hearing you before. You're on now, so try and speak up a little bit um, so we can hear you. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, just turn down your speaker. Can you hear me? Okay, hold on a second. All right, no problem. Damn when you're... <laughs> uh, can you hear me better now? Yeah, better? What's up? Okay. Usually, you and I, and I think callers, will are 100% right about the UN. The UN is a total uh, It's destroyed itself many times. It's filled with corruption. It's bad. And, um, Sorry, you have to, you have to turn to do anything and speak up a little bit because you're really breaking up in this And I can hear my, I hear myself talking. Okay. Um, well, I've got my mic volume. That sounds that sounds a lot better. So the UN is such a epic fail. It never did anything good, in my opinion. It um, it's just I think it's full of people who will talk all day long. It's like a bunch of people talk all day long about mowing the grass when they could just walk outside and do it. Yeah, and then they'll make laws about how to, how high the grass should be, and who should mow it, and eventually it's like, you know, it, it's it's a little well, it's basically a big chair of bureaucrats all sitting around and making up rules. Yeah, and make um, it, yeah. Make it. it's, yeah, it's they really the U.S. All they do here when we're with a reason they even exist, and um. And, uh, they don't do anything. When there's, when there's imminent evil, imminent danger to the world, to the civilized world, you have to yank their chain to even get them to, to pass a sanction. 
I mean, it's just a corrupt organization, and why we put up with it, I don't understand. What was that? I think that pretty much I said UN stands for United. You know, they're pathetic, and um, they should just disband. Yeah, I understand yes, about yes, a, yes. a lot of things. You know, uh, a place that's going to be totally against itself. You got us saying one thing, and we need to be on par with the global uh, economy, and we need to do this and put ourselves lower, lower in their eyes just to. to them, and it's not going to help us at all. And uh, no. of course, it's help us when we take and You know, I think we've screwed ourselves a whole lot. The UN has never helped at all. So that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling up. Uh, great call. Up. We agree on this point. Um, yeah, the UN is just a total utter waste. Um, and if you if you can def- I'd love to hear someone if they want to defend the UN. But all right, three four seven three zero eight eight zero seven three if you want to call up. All right, um, why don't we go and talk to uh, Corey Blake here, um, who's running around calling me a PTO. Um, so tell me, Corey, why am I a PTO? No, I'm talking about uh, Barnard Stinson. Well, I guess that's multi-child, right? Oh, of course, of course. Uh, first of all, uh, I not playing any. Hey, 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 real quick. What about the? There's also Silas Benjamin, uh, Canny. You know, Silas for the CVP, and uh, Canny's running for the Libertarian. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Silas. So well, you're being a little loud there, so you might want to lower. There's static uh, going on. Uh, it's hard to hear you there. Um, secondly, no, I have a handful of South Africa now. Okay. Um, I'm flattered you think I can handle so many different things, but um, no. Although it's interesting, anybody who poses a serious threat to the establishment is automatically associated with me. So I'm flattered. I'm flattered that you think uh, I can do all these things at once. Um, uh, well, I mean, you have right? and it, It's essential that you, know, you do do this stuff. Okay. Uh, if you want to call again where I can actually hear you, that would be great. I can't hear you. All right, secret caller, you're on. What's up? Hello, secret caller. Okay. So I'm an caller. establishment now. Ooh, who am I speaking? Oh, Daniel. Yeah. Daniel. Daniel. Um, if you knew anything, you would know that Kenny and I do not get along. He's made many statements against I've me. I've never said anything about you and Kenny. I'm, I'm not really relating you two. That was Corey. Okay. Well, I, I'm proud that I endorsed you initially before anyone else ran because I'm, I I support you. I think you'd be a great candidate. Actually, you said that I'm not a great candidate and you're only endorsing me hoping that it causes me to lose. Oh, nonsense. All right, let's get back on topic. Now, we're talking and, about... And the plan, the plan kind of failed. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, all right, so we're talking about epic fails tonight. Do you have any uh, any specific epic fails to mention or comment on? Like uh, throughout history? Yes. Well, let me think of one. Um, okay. I do agree with you on the Versailles Treaty after World War One. That that was an epic fail. Um, and then I would also probably say, um, 
removing MacArthur from Vietnam or not Vietnam, Korea. Um, sorry, what about Korea? Huh? Sorry, what about Korea? Uh, removing MacArthur from uh, North Korea. I'm glad you mentioned that. I didn't want to forget that one. Yeah, MacArthur said um, something along the lines when he was right at the border there, you know, let me go into China. Sooner or later, we're going to have to fight these, these, these Chai Toms. Why not do it now? I mean, they were a lot weaker then. And now we have to deal with them today. You cannot reason with people like that. And unfortunately, there's only one language they understand. Now you have, you have people living in the most oppressive society in the world in North Korea, and you have a not-too-nice one right to the West where there's over a billion in China. And, you know, if we're supposed to stand for freedom and liberty, why do we pick and choose where to interfere? You know, either all or nothing. And it'd be nice if we had other countries to help us out, but we cannot just pick and choose and say, we're going to get rid of dictator A, but dictator B can stay in. Those people can suffer. We don't want to worry about them. I mean, you know, who, who are we to, to pick and choose like that? I would also uh, say that even though we, uh, we uh, failed in taking out MacArthur of uh, Korea, I would also say that we failed in participating at all in Vietnam. Because uh, they actually wanted to be a communist country, and we kind of supported a very corrupt government in South Vietnam. No. no. Um, that's another thing, what we did with Vietnam. I mean, we... I would, say, not in, I would say the domino theory did not apply to Vietnam in any way. Well, yeah, yeah, I could see the point, your point there, but um, we shouldn't have abandoned Vietnam in the, in the first place. I mean... We, yeah, you had some 58,000 Americans who died there. But for us to leave and essentially more or less know, hey, you know, North Tommy, North Vietnam, we know you're going to overrun the South eventually. I mean, we should have helped them defend them. I would, have said I, mean, that, I would have said that the best thing to probably do after the French uh, got beat out of Vietnam was to uh, kind of start supporting Ho Chi Minh. I mean, even though he was a communist, like it said, he based a lot of his ideas off American ideas, and he he actually loved us. He wanted us to support him, and then we kind of turned our on him and said, "No, we're not going to support you." Yeah, he's a communist. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but the way they they I mean, the country now is not like it was then, but um, it would have been a, pretty much a nightmare to live in the communist Vietnam or North Vietnam then, and then when they took over the South. I mean, what we should have done, uh, perfect epic fail situation. So the South had plenty of advanced equipment here, but they had a horrible, incoherent government, and they had a poorly trained military. If we had made sure that their government knew what was going on, you know, how to behave, and their military was trained the way ours was, they could have resisted on their own. If we pulled out, essentially, I think that all those Americans who died there died in vain. And we could have done things to prevent that happening. I was never saying that we should have, like, stayed in there and helped. I'm saying that we should have never gone there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can make that argument. And, and But who got us in there in the first place? It was uh, Kennedy I, and Johnson who Eisenhower. really was. It was Eisenhower. Oh, who started no. Sending people. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, Eisenhower. maybe very few, but... but, um, oh, but what I'm saying is that is that Eisenhower put the first advisors in, and then when Kennedy became in office, uh, his advisors told him, "Look, uh, they've said that 
Democrats are soft on communism, you need to make a statement. And so through his advisors, he increased the uh, people in Vietnam, and he was a planning draw, but then he got assassinated, and then the B. Johnson and the Gulf of Tonkin thing, and then that just increased it. Um, yeah, I mean... But Eisenhower was the first to pick up after the French lost in 54. Yeah, but you have to look at who really got us into it. I always thought that it wasn't well, already... Well, if you look at who really got us into it, then it's Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was LBJ. And I always thought that, you know, with the Kennedy assassination, I don't buy the story. I thought that maybe either LBJ directly or some people associated with him could have had a hand in it because JFK might have not accelerated the conflict to the way it was. And that would have been a reason to certain people to get him out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, I said that um, LBJ was at fault for that mostly. And it's, it's possible he could have played a hand in the JFK assassination or people associated with him. Um, I, I, would, just I wouldn't say... Was a plot or something like that dealing with the draft conspiracy? I would say uh, Lyndon B. Johnson wasn't involved with it, but if he knew about it, he did nothing to stop it. Yeah, I, I would say if, if if it was a government sort of thing, it would probably be the CIA. Has always kind of hated the Kennedy. That's that's also possible. I, that, there was definitely something shady, and there's probably something government involved. Because I, I believe. Uh, JFK was planning on removing J. Edgar Hoover as the head of the CIA, and then when he was assassinated and Lyndon B. Johnson came again, Lyndon B. Johnson increased J. Edgar Hoover's like tenure as the as the CIA. Yeah, yeah, um, that's definitely definitely a possibility. All right, um, I want to mention uh, some people wanted to talk about Iraq and Afghanistan a little bit. All right, why don't we finish off the rest of the hour here by talking about that, then we're going to drift a little further back into history. Um, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, uh, is it an epic fail? No, but I would say that the epic fail is the fact that we're allowing, um, we're too limited in our tools, I would say. That's what I would say the epic fail is. Um, for instance, I know they actually reprimand soldiers, even if they're off duty. Now, they're off duty, keep in mind, for passing out Christian literature or trying to preach uh, to the locals there. Okay, if you really want peace in that region, in Iraq and in Afghanistan, and yes, I would say we, we've pretty much won in Iraq, um, although there's still some conflict and uh and Afghanistan specifically, because in Iraq, you at least had some Christian community, and there's, it's more secular because, although not as much, um, but in general, if these regions were never converted by, and we're going to have to tie this into what I was going to talk about later, but we'll tie it in now apparently. If you never had Islam poison these regions in the first place, we would not have these problems. Christians and Jews get along just fine in the modern era. Muslims don't get along with anybody because Islam is a fundamentally violent and evil religion based upon a false prophet who is burning in the fiery pits of hell now. And I don't think it's uh, too much to say that. 
he is. Um, uh, for the record, I'm having some more technical difficulties. So if you're calling up uh, 347-308-8073, um, if you want to call on the program. Anyway, in the meantime, let's talk about this. So <clears throat> yes, in Iraq, uh, the surge has worked. Um, although in terms of that, you know what makes no sense in the first place? If these terrorists were smart at all, and you know they're not smart, and they're just based on radical uh, lies they're taught by the Quran to martyr themselves and jihad and all that. Um, if they were smart, they would have not done any of this, waited a year or so, and the U.S. troops would have been out. And they could have had free reign. They were just stupid. They're not even intelligent terrorists. Motivated by nothing but blind blindness by their religion. In Afghanistan, it's worse, like I said. The, you know, you have the Taliban, which is actually allowed to control certain areas now because the government is so weak. If you do not allow Christianity to take hold, Judeo-Christian principles to take hold in these areas, um, I mean, at least in Iraq, although it's decreasing now because of all the persecution and such, you had a, a, a decent Christian community. In Afghanistan, it's very slight, and you're persecuted for it. You know, just a few years ago, there was this one uh, fellow who converted from uh, Islam to Christianity, and he ended up getting asylum in Italy, I believe. Um, and they were going to put him to death for, uh, for apostasy. And so there was a huge international outcry, and finally he was let go. And this in a post-Taliban government? So we replace one type of tyranny for another. Maybe not as bad, but still oppressive and still based on Islam. Basing a country on the Quran is not a way to start a democratic society or a republic or any form of, of uh, <clears throat> legitimate, uh, free-loving government. Freedom of government. That's something we have to change. Why do we allow Afghanistan to exist in that state? They will remain basically in the Stone Age until that changes. We could send in another 30,000, 40,000 troops, which uh, this president, being a military genius that he is, probably won't. Um, but ultimately, if you don't make efforts to change this nation, as a country, as a, as a society, if you don't make those sorts of efforts, it's all for nothing. And it is an epic failure, essentially. Because Islam is a poison which is spread through parts of Africa, through parts of Southeast Asia, through most of the Middle East, through North Africa. If these areas were never affected by Islam, the world would be much more peaceful. It would be much, uh, much better. Because now the values that these in individuals are raised on, even if some are moderates and ignore, but think of what these moderates are. These moderates basically ignore the fundamental tenets and principles of their faith. Why do you believe in this faith if you ignore what it tells you to do? So when people say, um, 
Oh, you hate Muslims. No, I don't hate Muslims. I despise Islam as a religion, and I don't understand how anybody can follow it and justify it or believe it's real. When it's founded by someone who is an epileptic and claimed to be a prophet of uh, God, Allah, um, then he came down to earth and uh, he went and conquered different villages and subjugated. Uh, if you didn't convert to Islam, you were a Christian or a Jew or a pagan, you were a second-class citizen and had to pay the... Uh, is that what it's called? Whatever that tax was called. Um, Second-class citizens went around conquering, pillaging, raping, taking all these different lives, uh, including a nine-year-old um, who was 50-something. But he didn't consummate the marriage until she was 12. Well, that makes it so much better, doesn't it? Um, all these evil things this man did. This man was an original terrorist, and he brought havoc to the entire Arabian Peninsula. That is who Islam is found. Christianity and Judaism are not founded on people whose lives were pure evil, pure malice. And that is what you're looking at when you're looking at a country like Afghanistan. It's stuck with that 7th century early Islam mentality. That's why, okay, the only thing that that's basically a a democracy in the Middle East, um, or a republic, or you know, some sort of parliamentary democracy, um, say for Israel, because that's mostly Jewish, is Lebanon, which has always had a large Christian population, um, which is now decreasing, but still enough to have that impact. That's the only reason, and that's a legitimate argument. Look at all these other countries. Sure, you could say Turkey, but even Turkey still has some radical elements in it. Um, and the entire country of Turkey is just stolen land anyway. So, um, but that's really the closest example you have to a successful Muslim uh, democratic state, which even that is very, very questionable. Besides for that, there's really none, um, at least in that region. You could say if you could try and say, what, Indonesia or something, but... You know, like those are just, uh, that's just an odd, that's not really a successful country. So that's a rather impoverished nation. Um, but in general, look at the nations that have de developed from a Judeo-Christian perspective and an Islamic perspective, and you can tie it all together. And it's pretty clear and cut to see uh, that the tenets of a, of a faith of the people of that country influence it. And this nation, this world is very worse off for the presence of Islam. And let's not kid ourselves by saying it's a religion of peace. It is not a religion of peace, and I'm not going to play that PC card. Anyone who actually does the unbiased research in that topic. Okay. Anyway, um, that'll be cut down with that. I want to go back to the phones. One one one, uh, secret caller. You're on the show. What's up? Did you put me on again? Oh yes. Actually, I meant to put someone else on. Um, sorry about that. And that guy is gone. All right. Anyway, um, it's the top of the first hour here, 347-308-8073. Uh, if you want to call up and talk on the program. Um, okay, so we are going to move back a little further here into the 19th century. Uh, let's talk about the Civil War. 
a little bit on the topic that itself. Now, well, from this, I want to say the way it's taught. Now, in the American Civil War, there are no good guys, there are no bad guys. Both sides are right, both sides are wrong. This is a very fair and uh, realistic way to approach it, I think. Um, in the sense that The, the, the Confederacy had legitimate grievances. The federal government was way too powerful, much like today, actually, and was telling, trying to tell them what to do. Was trying to exert too much authority. At the same time, the Union um, wanted to keep the country together. But hey, you know, you can't just go into see them like that. But once again, while it makes for good history, I think it's sad, really, that a country turns on itself and 600-some-odd-thousand men died for what? Could we not have resolved these differences without killing each other over it? You know? Both sides have legitimate grievances. Um... By the way, as, as I just saw a question here, just to interrupt myself for a second. Uh, will the host show be on Epic Fails? Well, that is a theme of tonight's show. But if you would like to discuss something else, we are, of course, open to taking any topic. So just let me know if there's a particular issue you'd like to talk about on tonight's episode. Um, anyway, so when I go to a Civil War reenactment, I, I like to root for the South, if only to annoy people, because they get really annoyed by, oh, how can you do that? Because these people are taught South bad, North good, at least in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the North. Um, that's not the case. And these people just don't have the intellectual ability, apparently, or the capacity to understand it from multiple perspectives. There is very rarely a case where we're 100% right you're 100% wrong. Um, and yet we're taught that. And why? Because the victors always write the history books. And you get taught a biased version of it. Now I always wonder too, what if what if the Confederacy won the Civil War? Let's ponder that. How would the how would the uh, world be different? You know, would it be better? Or would it be worse? See, what's interesting is the South always represents traditional values, and yet you have problems where um, problems where some people aren't, but in general, look what's happened. And why is that? Why is the South the only bastion of traditionalism left in this country? You go in the North, there's not much. Very few people really get it. And yeah, there's some people in the South who um, 
misused. Like, you know, run around with the Confederate flag. No, the Confederate flag does not stand for whatever weird things they're trying to perverse it into. It stands for a noble dream of defiance against perceived tyranny. At the same time, the American flag stands for unity and you know, we're all in this together. And as for the Confederacy being socialist, I don't see how the Confederacy was socialist. I wouldn't say that. They did what they had to, though, to survive as a nation during the war. Um, I don't want to backtrack here too much, but there, I saw a few comments I wanted to clarify. Yes, in Iraq and Afghanistan, religion is a big issue. Like I said, any nation that's founded on Islam is going to have serious problems. I just want to clear that up. Is that the only reason? No. But I think that, now I believe that is the root cause, and I believe you could trace it back to that. And if they never took hold, those nations would be much different to this day. I didn't want to dwell on it, but I just wanted to clear that up. Okay. Um, that's right. That's right. The Civil War was started on state rights. Now, and that, that's another misunderstanding, mis, uh, to say that it was fought on slaves. No, it was fought on, the, on state rights. And to say that... Um, Uh, people fought and die over slaves. That's not that's not why. Only with slavery, the better policy would have been containment. You contain it to certain areas, eventually die off. You saw in the middle colonies, mo most of the mo middle colonies, and in uh, New England, slavery just wasn't useful, and so there was very little or none of it after the early colonization. Um, <clears throat> that would have been the best policy to defeat this perceived evil. Yeah, you know, um, like I said, while it makes for good history, it is very, it is very, very sad. And you can't help but if you ever walk around Civil War battle, especially, especially Gettysburg. I mean, when you think about it, any any battlefield walking around, uh, these men fought and died here. And what did they? What did both sides fought, fight, and die for? You know, they fought and they died for what they believed in. Is either one less noble than the other? Is either one less worthy of our reverence and respect? No. But yet that's not the way both sides think, actually. And that's not the way to have any understanding of what happened. And most people are just ignorant to it and just don't want to be educated to the facts of these sorts of situations. Um, and you know what is really, really sad? That Republicans championed uh, liberties for blacks, free blacks and, and whatnot, and yet it was the Democrats who were so pro-slavery, and what happened? Eventually the Democrats lured the blacks back in. So basically, you still have slavery to this day. Although it's they're technically not slaves, but to the Democratic Party, most are still in that perpetual state of slavery. Because they are held in the bond of limiting their potential um, by the Democrats. And to me, that's just sad that to some extent this continues to this day. And the lack of understanding on what the Civil War actually meant continues to this day. You know, I um, one of my personal heroes is Robert E. Lee, who was actually against slavery, um, didn't know any slaves himself, was wrote against it, and he, when asked to command the Army of the uh, the um, 
Army of the Potomac, uh, Union Army, paced all night long. You know, trying to decide: Do I do I fight for the the Union? Do I fight for the Confederacy? But to him, he couldn't fight against his own state, which I can understand. You know, while you don't think of yourself with, as associated to the state as much as the country anymore, but you know, would you turn on your own, uh, your own brothers, your own community, the people who you? Now, could you really do that? I mean, this was a good man, worthy of our respect, who, who, who gets it from a lot of people, but some people don't understand someone like that, and would associate the Confederacy with being bad and uh, uh, anti-black or whatever. And that's just wrong. Or turning the Confederate flag into a symbol of racism and hatred. I see it as a symbol of, of Southern heritage, which is what it should be. Some people use it for racist purposes. Some people use it for those purposes, and some people turn it into that. It's a symbol of heritage that we should respect. That's it. Although I've said that um, a new civil war would not uh, be the worst thing. Um, the bloodshed would be bad, yes. But when you have tyranny in this country, if there are states that feel like, hey, if we're going to preserve America, we have to secede, maybe that's the way the southern states felt. They wanted to preserve what they saw as America. There's a huge parallel to today. Whether we'll get to that point or not, who knows? All right, um, <clears throat> 347-308-8073. By the way, if you call up, if you want to chime in, there's um, something to tell you if you want to raise your hand or if you want to participate. Um, let me know on there so I know what to put on. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we will go back a little bit more. His um, wife had the sales. Well, oh, before, actually, before we go back, uh, did Robert E. Lee's wife have slaves? I don't know. Um, but if so, a woman were allowed to own property at that point, so um, that you know he really couldn't do anything about it. So you can't really hold him accountable for her actions. But okay, um, excuse me. We will go back a little bit more. Epic failures. Epic failures. We're going to go back another 50 years to the War of 1812. Um, now we'll tie this into to the Revolution here. Uh, now, this is one instance where I've said before that I think there was certainly some divine intervention. Now, the and we're gonna go, we don't have time to go through the whole war, obviously, because we have, what, less than 50 minutes to go through <laughs> as much of history as we can, so we're jumping around here. Um, <clears throat> so this country could have very well not survived very long. It very well only survived a generation or so. Um, all right, this guy's antsing, being antsy and wants to get on here. So, I um, okay. As for talking about e Republic, I will talk about it in about five minutes. I can't right now because I'm now having some more uh, computer issues. So, 
I'll get him on in a couple minutes after we discuss this period right now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So British were pretty much <laughs> cleaning our clocks in this war. Um, <clears throat> the U.S. was nowhere near a major power yet at this point. And so <clears throat> while we did defeat them at Baltimore, obviously the Star Spangled Banner and that all tied in because that was in Baltimore Harbor. Um, <clears throat> we didn't defeat them in Washington, or we wouldn't have defeated them if it wasn't for a freak twist of history. You had essentially militia, untrained armies, essentially, protecting the capital. Soundly defeated by professional British soldiers. And you know, evacuation of the capital. The Redcoats get there, set the city ablaze. Um, hey, you, know, you sack the capital of the country. Doesn't look too good for your survival. But what happened here? Now, in reference to epic failures, they epically failed because there was divine intervention. Back when America had uh, providence on its side. By that I mean, in this time when, when this was going on, um, two things happened which were very unseasonable for the time. Now, the city was ablaze, and yet a large hurricane came in, massive rains, and put the fires out and saved most of the city. So you could, you could probably chalk it up to, hey, freak chance, right? even though it's not really seasonable for it and to get such a large hurricane up by up this far up the coast is pretty rare. But right after that, a huge tornado, you know, a tornado in uh, the Potomac area, pretty weird, a huge tornado comes and just rips through the British encampments and actually kills more soldiers than the and then the, uh, the American army and militia were able to do. And basically, they were defeated there because of two, you could call them two freak uh, happenings in nature. <clears throat> I think that was divine intervention. So evil failed epically because there was divine intervention on our behalf. You go back, um, and after, we'll, after we discuss this segment, we'll get on to uh, kind of what a couple people are a little antsy to discuss, uh, so only a few minutes for that. As soon as I get my switchboard up and running, uh, technical problems, I don't know what's going on here. I'm having some serious crash uh, crashes going on, but Okay, um, anyway, so we go back to the revolution. You have these unruly colonies and the most powerful empire on the planet. There was no conceivable way these colonies should have won. But yet, um, we talk about uh, the World War II generation. was the greatest um, generation. 
I, I think it was. But then you look at this generation, where there was only 4 million people in the whole country, not even a little less than that, in all the colonies, sorry. And you have some of the most brilliant diplomats, brilliant politicians ever in this one era. I tell you, in this country today with 300, 305 million people, you don't have the same crop, but yet you had it here in the latter part of the 18th century. And because of the, the brilliance and defiance of these people, because of guys like Washington and Jefferson and uh, uh, Packa and you know, Adams and Madison, you go on and on through the list, uh, Franklin. Because of these guys, because of the intellectual prowess of these people, to see that we are being oppressed here. It's time to break one. And not only that, but you have this undersupplied ragtag army with Washington at its command. And actually, I think he fought a total of nine battles throughout the nine, nine major engagements, I believe it was. And he went three and six. You lose twice as many battles as you win, but you still won. Because you outlast your opponent, you outmaneuver them, you outthink them. And when you use that, when you use, your, when you use strategy, when you use your intellectual ability to do that, you can make even an empire, the greatest military, economic, political empire on the planet, crumble. And these guys managed to do that. One of the landmark moments in our history, without a doubt. And then we, we tie that into the, the War of 1812, and they lose again to us. That's why I think there's such a special purpose for this country. And we're losing that purpose. And that is an epic fail on our behalf. Because we are responsible for destroying the dreams, the hopes, the aspirations of our founding fathers. We are responsible for blatantly disregarding the Constitution, for allowing evil to flourish in our country. We are responsible for that. And until we realize what we're doing wrong, until we realize that we're going away um, from that, then what, what is our nation becoming? If we don't learn from history, and like I said, a lot of people don't learn from history. If you don't study, if you don't study what worked for us. And if you allow what did not work to continue to happen right now by going away from these principles that made our country great, that allowed us to stand in defiance of tyranny 
and and ultimately become victorious. Now we find ourselves still on the top position in the world, but what are we doing with it? We have become that empire, and we're not using it in the way that we should. We should be using it for international good. You know? And actually, in this country, is unique in the fact that in the fact that um, this, this country, the colonies that it once were, was able to go into such a, a successful nation. But at, at the same time, look at all these other former colonies. Didn't go the same way. So what is unique about the U.S. compared to those? That's why I make the argument so many times that maybe these other former possessions of, of European power should go back to being possessions. Um, because they are not able to succeed the way we are. Okay, let's go to the phones. Uh, why don't we go to 434 real quick. Uh, you're on the AJ Bruno Show. Hello. Hey, AJ. How's it going? Uh, great. How's it going with you? Uh, going all right. Actually, uh, I called in a little bit earlier, and I was having a question about something that you were saying. Sure. Uh, this was back when we were on the Civil War. Uh, and you were saying that shortly afterwards, as soon as the uh, the African Americans, we called them that then, or at least we do now, back then they were blacks because we uh, were kind of insensitive. Yeah. The, uh, the Democratic Party wrote them in and basically enslaved them all over again. Is that accurate? Yeah. It is, yeah. So, so they uh, probably like had a big old picnic with KFC and watermelon maybe and then just put a electric fence around them or something. Um, something. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering how this is still accurate that all these all these black people are enslaved to the oppressive white man's party that's run by a black guy. Okay, uh, a half black guy, first of all, and um, second he, of he all, he looks pretty damn black to me. Okay, this is a guy who grew up in Hawaii and Kansas. Not too many blacks in those places. He pretty much denies his white side the way he behaved, but you were okay. Anyway, um, okay, look at the what is it? What has the Democratic Party do, done for blacks? All they do is keep giving them welfare, keep them in a state of submission where they feel like they are dependent on the Democratic Party. Giving people food and shelter and clothing, God, that's so terrible. Not no 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 no, no. denying them, the denying them the tools they have they, that they that they deserve to succeed on their own. When Barack Obama was growing up, you know, he had a big old afro and played basketball for his high school. Tell me how that's denying his black side. Okay, I didn't say he was. I said he's, more, he's trying to deny his white side now, essentially. He, he okay. refers to himself as black, not as half black and half white. So, and meanwhile, his father, who was the, the black parent, who he met for a week when he went to see him for a week, um, it was his mother and his grandmother who raised him, and yet he identifies more with the side of his family that didn't care about him. To me, that's fundamentally racist that he seems to care more about his black heritage than his white heritage. Uh, taking a look at him, it's pretty hard for him to make the argument that he is a white man just like uh, you or I. Um, but, but whatever. Uh, another thing, 
I'm wondering how you support the South and identify with the South when you're from New Jersey. Um, I mean, that seems like being a Boston Red Sox fan in the Bronx. Not really. I identify with the values um, of the South. I identify with the um, the heritage of it. To me, the South, especially look at it from today's perspective, in the North, there is very little of, of, of something that resembles what my perspective. In the South, people are more traditional. Not everyone, but typically people are more traditional, um, more patriotic in my, in my view. In the North, we find a lot of less intelligent people, a lot of people who are buying into this whole Obama mania, this whole uh, left-wing radicalism. People tend to be more secular, more, um, more accepting of the gay agenda of uh, abortion, murdering unborn children, of being weak on national security, of having uh, socialist economic policies. I don't like that. So that's why I identify with the South. The less intelligent people are in the North, which is why schools like um, Harvard and Yale and all that are up in, uh, are in the, the deep South, right, it's in Louisiana? Oh, no, 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 no. Those institutions are hundreds of years old, okay? That's not the same thing. You go back in time 200 years, uh, you would find people who love America all over the country. No, not even 200 years. Go back in time uh, uh, 50 years. You'll find people who love America all over the country. But that's not the way it is anymore. Unfortunately, people that's not the way it is. don't love America. Is that what you're saying? People in, most people in the North do not love America, no. Oh, people they in the would, North don't love America. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's, that's a fact. That's, a fact. Um, that's, actually, that's actually not a fact. But, okay. That actually is a fact because if you support... If you support what's being done in this country, you don't respect what has been sacrificed to build America into what it became and how it's being disassembled now. That's why we're retracing the footsteps of history here, to give people, you know, to help people refresh their memory of what it took to build this nation, of the values it took to build this nation, of the people who fought and sacrificed for it, and how we blatantly ignore it. And this is not right that we do this, and we need to stop doing this before it's too late. All right, um, so uh, not really. I don't really see anything that's being done to America. America still looks the same to me as it did, in fact, the other day. Um, I believe it was on, uh, on one of the late-night shows. Someone was saying that everyone was all worried that Barack Obama was going to do all these terrible things to the country when he was elected. And, in fact, he hadn't done anything. So you can't criticize him. Nope, he hasn't done anything, but he's on the precipice of trying to get through a lot of radical things. So soon you could say he did stuff, did stuff to destroy the country, to make the founding well, fathers you, tournament raise. You could say he hasn't done anything, but you just said that he hasn't, and so I'm, I'm a little... No, 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 no. He has not done anything, he has not done anything, but he has said things which do not make America look very good. He's went around the world apologizing for us. Um, so if that's what he gets awarded, rewarded for, then, uh, hey, that's great telling the Olympic Committee that uh, America is some of the best cities in the world and they should choose America is definitely hurting our country. Hey, he has oh, nothing hold on, hold on just a second. No, 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 no. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that um, I got a, I got a buzzy, buddy named Bradley who wants a shout-out. He wants me to say hi. Also, hi to Daniel who's listening right now on the phone and you keep picking up on by accident. And, uh, and to Darcy and the entire U.S. Airborne um, because she's hot in the Airborne Rocks. Uh, who, uh, okay, thanks for that call. 
Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, let me let me uh, make another comment on that. Okay, I'm not saying that nobody in certain regions love uh, don't love the country. Yes, there are some people in Pennsylvania, in New Hampshire, in Illinois, whatever. There are some people in these states who do love America. But by and large, that's not the case. I'm, I'm looking at the bulk of each people, the bulk of each region. It's by and large a regional sense of patriotism or a sense of, America's not that great, we have to destroy it. Mm. All right, um, I know that this, this uh, I think you wanted to make another comment. All right, go ahead. That's all right. Uh, now I was just this is actually my last point. I was going to say your your show it's interesting with theme tonight about epic fails, which which is weird because it seems like all of your shows are themed by epic fails, or at least that's what they turn into by the end of the show. <laughs> uh, this one's different. We're tracing historical roots of epic fails. So, all right. Well, I'm actually more entertained when you just continually epic fail for our entertainment uh, three nights a week. So if you could just go back to doing that and making yourself look kind of dumb like usual, uh, that would be really great look, for everyone. Look, um, considering you don't have any legitimate points to argue whatsoever. But, okay. I don't have legitimate points to argue. Okay. Sure, I don't. All right. You don't. Here's, no, a, here's don't. a legitimate fact and statistic. As soon as Jewett and I started our radio show, you moved your schedule so you wouldn't have to compete with us. That's a fact. <laughs> Actually, not really. I took a little break to decide what to do. And then I decided that these were good days that worked for me and seemed to work for other people. So no, I didn't really consider that. But um, hey, you guys claim okay, you guys claim that what you say two hundred people listen to your show, which isn't true. You guys struggle to get people to even call up. I'm the only one who usually calls up, and you still don't let me entertain your listeners, which is kind of funny because um, I'm calling up as a uh, you know a different uh, prominent guest for you. And uh, you know you, you kind of uh, you kind of drew it me over, so to speak. So well, actually, really. that would be my uh, that would be my uh, co-host that, that would be doing the Jewing. Um, but no, actually, uh, you call up and pretend to be things that you're not, uh, kind of like you do here when you pretend <laughs> to be intelligent. Uh, when I call your show, oh, really? you make actual uh, legitimate points with facts and stuff, and also just to tell you that. Uh, that your show is pretty much an epic fail every single day. Um, um, at least more people listen to We do have actually show. plenty of listeners, and we have uh, I heard over 200 that have listened on the podcasted version. Yeah, we get somewhere 30 or 40 okay. that listen live uh, every okay. show. Now, so you have 200 total then? No, over 200 that have streamed the podcasted version. We get 30 to 40 listening to the live show every day, twice a week. Hmm. Probably doubt that. Well, you guys can only sustain. You guys but can't you doubt that? You want me to get you the yeah, screen capture sure. of the? You guys uh, cannot even find enough to talk about for 60 minutes a week. Okay, we have plenty of content on this show to talk about uh, 24 hours a day. But you have nothing to do except uh, talk about your boring nonsense and blah blah blah. Whine about this and that. And oh, boring nonsense. Stuff, actually, you know. what we're talking about is Republic, which is what our show is themed towards. And we do have 90 minutes a week, not 60. And the reason oh, we don't always have a planned show is because uh, we actually got shit to do. Jewett and I both have real lives. He's also serving as the vice president in this game, and I'm serving as the secretary of state this month. That doesn't leave a whole lot of time for preparing with the show. I see, I see. Well, you're, you're, so, a big, you're a big shot now, huh? What are you running as? Um, oh, that's right. You are a congressman 
and East South Nobody Cares elected by your multi. <laughs> my multi, really? You have any proof of that? Ah, yes, yes. Now I suppose you're you're uh, you're someone who says, um, you know, you're one of those people who would look at history from one one perspective too, which is really blind, I think. And you're the one who comes out here and tells me that I try to put myself off as as intellectual. Um, I'm far more intellectual than you are. And it's actually not accurate, but okay. Oh, really? It's not accurate. And tell me, why is it not accurate? Uh, because most of the things that you talk about, um, I mean, yeah, maybe you can read Wikipedia facts off the, uh, the computer to do a web show for E-Republic on real-life war history. Um, uh, Wikipedia facts? That doesn't that make make that here, five minutes. Uh, I must be good at memorizing Wikipedia. Yeah, or something. Like, I don't know, I'm not there watching over your shoulder because that would be really creepy. Some of us uh, actually spend some time to try and learn about things and absorb information that becomes useful. Um, mm -hmm. Instead of you who worries about uh, how you're going to uh, try and argue with conservatives or argue with people who believe in this country um, and believe in its, its roots, its traditions, um, maybe you should worry a little bit more about opening your mind to different, uh, different viewpoints and to facts that might not suit your perspective and a little bit more, less about um, trying to come on, insult me, and insult people who have a different perspective than you. What's the problem with people like you? You think you think that you're right, and that there's no other there's no other view. I'm making it clear that there's multiple ways to think about different things. One's not necessarily more right than another. On the other hand, right. you're saying you're coming out here saying, "Oh, AJ, you're wrong." Blah blah blah. Um, mm -hmm. And. If you think that's the way to go about it, then that's that's very sad for you. And uh, okay, um, you you want to talk about like factual evidence that I would be uh, more intellectual than you? I actually took an AP sure. U.S. history class and managed a five on the exam. Well, that's an AP class. Um, I'm not sure you've taken an AP class before, but five is the highest score you can get. It's pretty much perfect score. Uh, so there's your okay. So you uh, prove that you were able to memorize information, and that doesn't prove that you can keep it. So. No, AP test is not about memorizing information. Uh, it's about understanding um, what's going on, preparing all year for uh, a large test, and then writing three essays on it. Uh, and you have to be able to critically analyze things and think about stuff and know, uh, have a, a broad knowledge of history over uh, the whole entire history of the United States, which, granted, is not that long compared to a lot of other countries, but it's still 250 years worth of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I just think that you uh, need to read up a little bit, um, watch a little more History Channel. Well, we're not, we're, not, we're not showing stupid programs. Read a little bit more. Educate yourself a little bit more. Open your mind a bit. Um, the fact that you are able to do well on an AP test doesn't necessarily make you intellectual doesn't necessarily make you uh, well-roundedly educated on these issues. But, um, you know, I hope you learn from your uh, mistakes and um, open your mind to different points of view, different ways of looking at things. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, let's see here. Okay, I, I know that uh, this guy wanted to go and fire something at me for a few minutes. 
we're going to let Corey Blake back on the show for a couple of minutes. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to trace back thousands of years of history tonight. So after we talk to him, we'll we'll try to hit a little bit. We'll try and move into the uh, 17th century a little bit. But we're probably going to have to continue continue this on a different episode too. Uh, <laughs> when you dig into history, I mean, it uh, apparently takes more than two hours. Okay, we'll let Corey back on here now. Corey, uh, keep yeah. How's it going, uh, AJ, again? <laughs> okay, now back to the whole uh, PTO thing. Um, now, you are uh, you're registered on the uh, Australian forums as Barnabas, and uh, you posted this comment in your A&P candidacy thing where it says, also, I won. Someone moved, someone moved a dozen votes to beat me. I only lost because I ran against a voter machine. The people of Texas supported me. Didn't you kind of say the same thing when you got your, your ass spanked by uh, Jackson Lee? Oh, please. You said a the comment. Victory party? Okay, this guy, this guy, just like liberals in real life, um, use voter fraud. Now, when you move people from other parties to throw the will of a party's members, how is that beating? That just means who can... Is it illegal? Is it illegal in the Republic? It's a game. I don't know why you're getting so worked up about this. You, okay, you lost. I'm going to here. Okay. What do you care? First of all, I'm not, I'm not uh, this Barnabas fellow. Second of all, if I like Barnabas, who cares? Who cares? I'm sure that Barnabas um, wants to improve the A&P the Australia. So, you know, God bless him. And also, I have uh, IRC IPs that match Barnabas and yours. Really? Well, I go to a school with thousands of people, but maybe Barnabas goes to my school. Who knows? And uh, I, have you have you read? I don't know if you, I don't know if you've made your way to E-Republic and uh, read uh, the articles, but there's there's oh, much no. proof in there. This kind of bores me. That, uh, it, it's, it's just it's just it's just yeah. exploiting your. Okay, this is stupid. Anyway, um, enough of that. Uh, uh, <laughs> what can you say to that? All right, why don't we get back to the topic here? Three four seven three zero eight eight zero seven three. Got twenty minutes left here to talk about some epic sales. You want to call up? You got a comment? Um, call up and let's talk about it. We'll talk about anything we've discussed so far in the past two hundred fifty years or so. Um, all right, we'll move back in history a little bit more here. Okay. Um, I think the early colonization efforts were a bit of an epic tale. And uh, well, actually, before we get to that same time period, um, the Protestant Reformation was an epic tale. Let me explain why. Now, so for now, I'm not. I consider myself non-denominational. So don't think I'm not taking a Catholic perspective. I'm not taking a Protestant perspective. But I'm going to make the argument that the Protestant Reformation was an epic tale. Okay. Now, essentially, you had this guy, Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest. Now, he started this Reformation. Why? Um, he thought there were certain corruptions and whatnot, but even if there were some corruptions, and there's corruptions in any institution. You can't say there's, some, there's, there's anything that's uh, pure and incorruptible and whatnot. Um, 
But this guy was a blatant anti-Semite. And he ends up marrying a former nun who was half his age. Is this really somebody who you want to... And he's the found, founder of Lutheranism, of that whole strand of Protestant thinking. Now, why would you be part of a, of a denomination that traces its roots to someone like that? Addressing corruption is one thing, but this guy started the whole movement. Um, you know, and then, and then in that same century, you had the, the Thirty Years' War, where you had massive Catholic and Protestant fighting. Like, okay, we're all Christians. We have some differences. Why not resolve them? Why have thirty years of conflict between the Catholic and Protestant nations of Europe? Um, I know I, I know I went back a little further than that that I went back that I went forward, but um, just to tie those two together, why? There are so many um, more pressing concerns in the world than hey, we're Catholic, we're Protestant, let's kill each other over our difference. Well, what what bind what what binds the two what binds the two groups together and what binds them together now? Uh, their fundamental belief. In, uh, their, in their Judeo-Christian God and their Messiah. And there's just differences in, in um, practice, essentially, um, or in certain semantics, certain ways of uh, practicing that. And so the amount of hostility that grew between these two groups, I think is just ridiculous. And you could, pro- you know, you could possibly... T- trace that to the radicals who started this in the first place. Instead of more reasonable individuals and say, hey, I disagree with point A, I disagree with point B. Well, let's discuss it. All right. Um, we have someone who wants to talk here, a secret caller. Uh, hello. Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's uh, me, Daniel CD. Uh, from what I've learned from uh, AP Euro, uh, you, you were talking about how Catholics and Protestants, why didn't they just sit down and say, oh, let's compromise on this uh, you have to think about the times back then. There was no really compromise back then. It was either you're a Catholic or you're a heretic. And because the Catholic Church was corrupt, they wanted to split off, and the Catholics, who were still corrupt, said, no, you're being heretics. And you get people like Philip II, who was the giant protector of Catholicism, saying, anyone who splits, we're going to bring him down like he did in the uh, Netherlands where he massacred thousands of uh, Protestants. Um, yeah. And then there's southern Germany, the Peasant War, uh, where the peasants rose up and they mercenaries going all through Germany. There, there was really no such thing as a compromise back then. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. And then you, you look at it like that bothers me, too, because all these people saying, you know, we're more Christian than you, blah, blah, blah. But then they go and kill each other over it or act in a way which isn't very Christ-like. And, you know, it's the like same Bible we have now, and yet the, the attitudes just a few hundred years ago are so much different, the way they go about it. And it's just such an alien concept to think about. I mean, and even in that era, I mean, you had much more, uh, much bigger threats. Um than that. I mean, yeah, there's certain differences <clears throat> in the least, but it's like, 
you know, we believe in consubstantiation. We believe in transubstantiation. Ooh, let's fight over it. Well, you know, what bind, what, what, what held the two groups together? What common values? And even, even to this day, you know, kill each other over it, but um, there's still a lot of hostility. When there are so many more pressing concerns, or there should be from their perspective, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you look back then during, uh, like, the 15th, 14th, and uh, 16th century when they're fighting over all these, like, little details about uh, the Bible or God, uh, many people believe that just these little details change could mean the difference between salvation or going to hell. Yeah. And th these people back then actually believe that, like, certain words in the Bible, like, I, I, I think, like... Presbyterians split off from uh, Methodists over like one word in the Bible. Um, There's something, something like that. There was one yeah. sect that broke off from another over one word. Yeah, which is just, <laughs> which is just dumb. I mean, um, you know, when I look at this 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 way too, I mean, I don't, you know, I see it both ways. Like I said, from in many areas, I see it from both ways. But uh, so. The Protestants removed certain books from the Bible, but you know who's to say which ones are divine and which ones aren't? Um, I always found that a little bit weird. Yeah, I would like to say I'm I'm not a, of any denomination, but uh, when you look at through the denomination, denominations, I would say that uh, Methodists would probably be the best because. Uh, I've seen their, like, rules for their church, and pretty much they have, like, three rules that basically say do good, be good, and believe in God. Yeah, I mean, the Methodists are so far off the spectrum. I mean, so, you know, so um, uh, all across the spectrum. I mean, you had President Bush, who was a member of the uh, United Methodist Church. But um, yeah. at the same time, there is, you know, when I went to AU, which was associated with the, with the, um, with the United Methodist Church, um, you know, very socially liberal. I mean, there's some who really are to the point where you're wondering, wait, this is this is Christian. I mean, the kind of difference that within within one church. You know, I always find it weird how these groups can all be under the same umbrella. Um, really, they don't have a whole lot in common. Well, I mean, that's kind of what you do when you're a Christian. I mean, you shouldn't uh, bicker over petty details or about. Uh, what your beliefs are, like political beliefs or social beliefs, if you all believe in God, then that's the underlying issue and that's the main point. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely a good point. Good point. Um, well, yeah, the Methodists were also a little bit later, too, so that's not one of the earlier earlier groups. But, um, but you know, one in particular, like, it's hard for me to say yes or no with certain, um, although... I think Jehovah's Witnesses are really whacked. Uh, Mormonism is is really weird, and uh, and like you know, Episcopalians have gone way off the map too because you have now splits because the church is going so far left, and now you have Lutherans doing the same thing, and at Lutherans in particular because you know trace that back directly to Martin Luther, and Martin Luther, um, as I'm sure you know from AP Euro, wasn't exactly the nicest man. So, yeah, he he was. Uh, I believe 
he was not for women's rights, but he favored women having equal roles in the household, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and yeah, he, did, he was an anti-Semite, uh, I believe. Uh, but, uh, I mean, his underlying principles were good for uh, attacking the Catholic Church for its corruption. Well, true, but, um, you know, uh, like it says, uh, um, what's the exact verse? You know, before you look for a speck in someone else's eye, take the plank out of yours. I mean, so for someone like that, um, you know, a little bit critical from my view. Well, I mean, it's it's very hypocrite push it through the no one at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is that is definitely true here. Um, oof, I'm having some horrible computer issues there. Not good. Um, all right. Anyway. Uh, okay. I, I, on this whole line of thinking, actually, while we're all around this, um, so in, in that same era with the, uh, or yes, you know, slight maybe slightly before the Protestant Reformation, but around that same time. You had all these um, missionaries, or not missionaries, all uh, colonists, conquistadors, whatnot, coming over here saying, you know, trying to convert. But the way they were converting is, um, you know, at the, at the point of a gun. Now, how is that very Christian to say, convert or we're going to kill you? I mean, I always want to go back in time and say, hey, you know, where does it say to do that? I mean, I know we're looking at, at the same time, you have to look at the context of, of the time period, but um, just the way some people acted, uh, you know, fundamentally uh, very un-Christian. And yeah, a lot in, yeah. Christianity was very, uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to say all Christianity, but definitely... I would say uh, Catholics were very uh, militant in converting supporters or keeping their people faithful because you have, like, Philip who was pretty much a dictator saying no one could, like, he killed and uh, sent out thousands of Muslims and Jews out of his uh, country, which were actually contributing to it. And uh, the uh, French and the Huguenots sending, massacring them. Um, and then the missionaries who uh, pretty much coerce Indians to uh, convert instead of getting them to convert on their own. Yeah. Um, and and then, then the Jesuits, too, who are pretty much a military order in yeah. Catholicism. They were like the secret police. Which is kind of ironic because uh, most Jesuit-run schools now are among the most liberal Catholic uh, institutions. Well, back then it was a lot different. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's definitely true. But um, you know, it's just in, in general. I mean, people try to point to that to try, like when I bring up the fact that Islam is so fundamentally violent. Well, but then you're looking at the religious aspects. With Christianity, is the religion of Christianity fundamentally violent? And I think the answer is no. But there's people who have misused it throughout the ages. Um, and have done it in a way which kind of tarnishes its image, which is kind of not fair to those of us looking back now. Um, uh, and then just that whole era. And then, 
I mean, you can look back even a little bit further when you had the, uh, you know, starting with the Great Schism and whatnot and that whole east-west divide, where, you know, you have to look at the argument, too, that is there just one um, particular group that everyone should be under? Or should you have differences? Or, you know, what is the actual truth? But, um Regardless, we need to learn from uh, these past mistakes. And, you know, like I, I said this over time again, well, it makes for good history. You know, we always invent, invent reasons to kill each other. Why do we do it? Good question. Um, yeah, I would say, out of, uh, I know a lot of people I know, uh, I'm a giant history buff at my school. I've pretty much taken every history class I could at my school. Yeah. And, uh, like, a bunch of people ask me, oh, why are you doing that? There, there's no point to history. It's boring. But uh, history yeah. is probably one of the most important subjects we could probably learn. I'd put it up there with math and science. Yeah. Well, I, I would, um, to an extent, math and science, if you're going to be a mathematician or a scientist, particularly science, because science applies more, but advanced forms of math, it's really useless. I, I think I think uh, for the average person, um, history tied in with English because that English helps you get across your ideas. And history, if you don't learn, yeah, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. I mean, it's really that simple. And the, the, the ignorance that most people have, not even caring to learn basic facts or um, you know, or just living in in this day and age and not realizing, hey, who is responsible for uh, the kind of opportunities I have now or the kind of um, situation I'm in now. And they just, they're so ignorant or they think it's stupid. And I, I, I always the, find history fascinating. Yeah. I think the big problem with uh, the history, uh, the way we learn it, uh, unless you take like AP US history or AP uh, Euro or AP government, uh, you're not really going to learn like a lot about analyzing and interpreting history. Uh, mostly up until then, all it is is uh, obtaining facts and like uh, getting the logical order of what happened when, what they did. Uh, unless you took an advanced placement class in history, no one really ever learns uh, like to connect things like say what happened in this period. How is it related to what happened in this period? Or like why did this situation actually happen? Most of the time when you're taking history throughout high school, all you're learning is facts and dates. Yeah, I mean, they don't really teach you uh, the depth they should. All right, thanks for coming on, Daniel. Sorry about that. Uh, we only have like four or five minutes here, so I'm going to bring on Philip Esquire and Benoit at the same time, just to save time. Sorry about that. Um, crashed here, didn't have access to the switchboard. All right, welcome to the show, guys. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Hello, can you hear me? Benoit. What's going on? Well, I don't Hey there, I got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> One at a time, go ahead. I'd just like to agree uh, that it's really only until you get to analyze history that it really means something to you, because just knowing dates and facts, like, that's not history, that's just what it is, knowing dates and facts. History ties into politics, economics, and geography. It's 
much deeper than you get until you get to an AP or college level history course. So, yeah, true. I have to say, I I hated I hated history. This is Benoit. I hated history in school. It was just boring as hell. But um, after school, it really became a true passion of mine. I, I absolutely adore the History Channel and learning about it on my own. It's wonderful. By the way, I wanted to add that I was banned in uh, USA Desk chat today. I'm wondering how uh, AJ can survive months on end by everywhere. And I I say one thing about Obama, and they ban me forever. Uh, that chat room is a dictatorship. You say anything they don't like, you're out. What did you say about him? Um, you know, I, I said something about how he attended, uh, you know, a racist hate rallies at uh, Reverend Wright's church for 20 years, and uh, they just really didn't like that, so. Uh, who banned you in particular? You know, we're, um, you know, I wish I could remember the name of the guy. I'll look it up. Well, I'll let someone else talk while I look it up. All right. Uh, go ahead. we got two and a half minutes or so. Shoot. All right. Well, uh, also okay. commenting on what you said about the well about okay, the I found the name. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. The name was Sir Franco. Yeah, that guy's a douchebag. All right, go ahead, Phil. All right, commenting on what you said about the Protestant Reformation. Uh, Luther didn't actually want to split with the Catholic Church. He just wanted it reformed. And yeah. like a year after he died. Like the Council of Trent and various other um, church-wide uh, councils, kind of set things straight. Almost every issue that he had addressed, and a few that he didn't, were changed throughout the church. And mm -hmm. you know, the Catholic Church had some serious problems going on at the time. Uh, the three of the popes had had illegitimate children. Uh, lots of crap, but they fixed their problems. But the people that followed Luther decided that even though the Catholic Church was working on it and was listening to what they had to say, they were still going to say separate. And at that point, you know, it just got uh, carried away and people started killing each other and, you know. Yeah, and Luther was oh, yeah, yeah. a crazy anti-Semite. He was, not a great guy. Uh, all right, Ben, we'll give you the last word. Ben, are you there? He's not there. I get to say He's not there. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Any other comments? We got about a minute to change. Um, I think we need to make jackalopes national animal. Of <laughs> South Africa. Just Do because. It. Possibly, possibly. With benefits. Um, yes. National pride go up through the roof. That would be that would definitely be interesting. Um, all right, thanks everyone for being on the show tonight. Here, uh, final minute uh, one down. Uh, sorry for any technical difficulties that I've had. It's a great show. We're gonna have to do this again. We only got through 500 years or so and a so we're definitely going to come back with this type of show. I look forward for some in the near future, some specialty episodes. Thanks everyone for tuning in. It's been great. Thanks to all the callers. Um, uh, listen in every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, 10 Eastern, same place, same time. Tell your friends. It should be fun. It's been a great epic fail episode. Lots of good stuff tonight. 
Hope you learned a lot. Think about history. Learn about it. Learn about how it connects to today. And uh, I think you'll see that uh, we're running this program. And we're right okay, for now, this is A.J. Bruno. I'm signing off. So long, and see you later. Awesome.